Freddie Stat Go is a completely fan-produced show of the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network. The first ever open-source professional sports league controlled entirely by you, the fans. Now, it's time for the show. What, what, what is up, my friends? Welcome back to another edition of Freddie Stat Go. I'm your fearless host, Freddie Airmail, coming to you after a bit of an unexpected break in the action. We took a week off. Uh, my co-host and I, but uh, we're still making time to bring you all the sports stats you could need and more. So, of course, here with me is my co-host, Kyle Stathead Sheridan. How's it going, Kyle? You know, I I took a great bath today. I'm feeling ready and refreshed. I'm ready to go. It's amazing what warm water and bath salts can do to a body. There you go. The, the, the right kind of bath salts, of course. Of course. Um, uh, so, if you are listening to this, you, you probably already saw the title of our episode. We're going to be talking about indoor and arena football today. A bunch of different leagues. But before we get into that, we want to circle back on some of the topics we've already covered uh, in this series. Football doesn't uh, sleep. It, Football doesn't sleep anymore, and so, um, I mean, so it makes sense that this is this is a recurring fixture on this show. This is a regular segment that I don't see going away anytime soon. Uh, we're going to give you not just what we what we have slated in terms of the indoor football. We're also going to get you caught up on stuff that's happening around the country and around the world. And we're going to start with the NFL. Oh. So when we sat down to record our last episode, we already knew the results of two of the six NFL wildcard games. And it was, it was in the middle of the third of those. I believe it was Miami at Buffalo. Yes. Uh, but uh, since then, not only do we have the results of the other four wildcard games, we also know uh, the results of the divisional round, and we know who's going to be playing in the conference championship games to reach the Super Bowl. Would you like to and hear the results of our prediction so far? Or do you want to wait until after the Super Bowl? Because hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm already so wrong. I, oh, I'm incredibly you know, wrong about a lot. The funny thing is, is um, I think I've only gotten one call wrong so far on this, on this that, show, officially. Yes, you've gotten exactly one call wrong. The thing is... Um, in another, in a Discord server, we had a bracket picking competition, and then and that was after we recorded that episode where we were making our predictions. And you kind of talked me into uh, making a bold move in picking the Jaguars over the Chiefs. Ah. <laughs> so even though I'm officially right on here uh, with with how that game turned out and uh, and all but one of the other games. Um, I, I did whiff on that one. I had a, a Bills-Jags AFC final, and I, I didn't get that. Um, Bills I mean, the one big, the one miss for me was the Bills uh, losing to the Bengals. And like I was saying on, uh, on the Info Arcade in the in the Twitch chat uh, the other day, um, you know, you 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 uh, had to miss that show, unfortunately. But uh, what I was saying to AJ and Info was. Um, I, I, I wasn't too surprised that the Bengals won. You know, that was one of the games that I was, I was thinking would be one of the closer games 
uh, coming down the stretch. It was more of the way that it happened. Yeah, no, where I, it I felt agree like it felt like it, it felt like the Bills just didn't have an answer at at uh, at some point, and it was it was a point pretty early on. The final score was uh, only twenty-seven to ten Bengals, but it seemed like it was so much more of a dominant performance on the Bengals' part. I think it says a lot about, I think that the main criticism for the Bills was their receiving core. You know, you lean heavy on Diggs. You know, I don't know where Gabe Davis went. You know, he, Gabe Davis got all this hype for that 200-game performance against the Chiefs last uh, playoff. And then you got been, old man he's Beasley. He's been so, so uh, on and off this year, Davis. I think the Bills, you know, they, they got just... I think they got it. I think they just need to get some young weapons. And, you know, uh, this draft, I think they could really retool a lot. I, I think more so. I had them taking a running back in the first round. Now, it yeah, honestly might be a re- receiver if I'm thinking and about it. It might be just because, uh, you know, teams don't want to pay running backs first-round money these days. Um, so that could happen, especially if uh, – with Stefan Diggs appearing to be a little, a little dissatisfied with how things went at the end there. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, we also found out the the five finalists uh, for NFL MVP today. Oh, did we? I only saw and, the coach of the year. Uh, yeah. Uh, Let me look at, at least I thought I saw. It. And uh, rather unsurprisingly, four of the five nominees are quarterbacks. Those quarterbacks would be. Here we go. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. So three of whom are still active in the playoffs, one of whom just went out in the last round against one of those other guys. That would be Allen losing to Burrow. But we also have a wide receiver in the mix, and you might be able to guess. Jay Jettas. It is indeed Justin Jefferson. I like that. I, you know, yeah. I wasn't in on on MVP for Jay Jettas, but now that he's there, I'm in. I'm in a little bit. I like that. That's fun. Like that's different. I like, would. He's a problem. I would really have to. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd really have to dig into, uh, you know, how how big of a component Jay Jettas was to the Vikings. Winning as many games as they did, but also not seeming as good as that record. Um, so I, I could see it, you know, ending up being him. But if it's if it's not, it's I, I think it has to be Mahomes. Do we want to quickly, you know, speed through? Because I still have our predictions for. Oh sure, sure. This. So I mean, we let's see MVP. Who do we say? I think we said we both. You said Mahomes. I said Hurts. I'm still mm-hmm. sticking with Hertz, but Justin Jefferson is my wild card chaotic pick. I like that a lot. Um, not just because quarterbacks get it all the time, but because mm-hmm. he's pivotal to that offense. I mean, I, I still think, you know, even if even if Hertz, you know, even if Hertz goes on to win a Super Bowl and Mahomes goes out in the next round, you know, the voting still happened before all. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, AP Defensive Player of the Year. It's gonna be Nick Bosa. It's the three they nominated are Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, which is did Chris Jones pop off? I didn't really pay attention to that. If if he did, um, and then Micah Parsons, who Micah Parsons is just a different beast. 
Like, and I've never in my life seen a more like versatile linebacker that can play on the line, off the line, in coverage, pass rush, you know, run stop. Like, but it's gonna go to Nick Bosa because Nick Bosa has just been different this year. Um, AP Offensive Player of the Year. We got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts, Jay Jettas, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, we tended to agree uh, for all these ones. Let's see. OPOY, we both said Jay Jettas. And DPOY, we both said Nick Bosa. I think it'll be Jay Jettas. I, I, he's incredible. Here's where it gets interesting is the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Brock Purdy sneaking in. I don't think it's yeah. going to him. I don't. I, I still think it's Kenneth Walker all, oh, yeah. all day. I think um, even, even with my, my personal NFL quarterback ratings kind of underrating Purdy already because of, uh, because of the way that's put together, I, I still think uh, Ken Walker put together a, a, a greater, a, a more voluminous uh, that's not a word but just playing in more games having a bigger body of work and uh i i think it would be walker uh, i'd be kind of surprised if it were purdy i guess i can't totally rule him out but i would be surprised if it's purdy because if it's not walker garrett wilson also makes sense uh not to not to dunk on the bills you know while they're down but as, as a patriots mm-hmm. fan i'm gonna I think they, I, as much as I love James Cook having a end of the season, you know, kind of like turnaround, they still should have taken Kenneth Walker. And I, I had them taking Kenneth Walker. The fact that they didn't, I thought was a mistake. I think they're going to live to regret that. Um, and the defensive rookie of the year is Sauce Gardner. We're not, this isn't a debate. Like Aiden Hutchinson balled out. Tariq Woolen balled out. Sauce, different. And we both we both had sauce because that sauce didn't even make it a competition. Yeah, this is where I mean you mean you differed. Comeback player of the year. I had yeah. Geno Smith. You had Saquon. Christian McCaffrey's also in the mix, but oh, yeah. I I I'm pulling hard for Geno. Let him have that. You know. I it, think I'd I'd be happy with any of the three four. Oh yeah. You know their various reasons. Uh, Honestly, uh, I think like, Saquon has has indicated he's hitting the open market. Uh, oh yeah, I think he he wants he wants I think a chip for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think he's he's he wants to go to a more built team. Um, and speaking of a chip, uh, we have now four teams left in the NFL playoffs. As uh, as we mentioned, we have the Chiefs and the Bengals on the AFC side. We have the Eagles and the 49ers in the NFC. Uh, knowing that, um, I think my prediction was Niners over Bills in the Super Bowl. Yep. Remind me, what was your pick? I was I had the Bills over the Eagles. Mm. Well, I, but obviously the Bills aren't going to be there now. Um, what are you feeling now? If you had to just pick, you know, I I'm... who do you think is going to make it, and what do you think is going to happen from? there i'm in in love with this idea i don't know if you have been watching uh new heights podcast with the kelsey brothers i have not i i want oh i want the kelsey bro i want the new heights super bowl i love it when there's like an underlying story like a little bit of tension a little drama it make like remember um, remember the harbaugh the harbaugh's yeah the harbaugh the harbaugh was fun 
Um, wasn't that the wasn't that the blackout one as that well? That was also the blackout one, and it was also the yeah. one. Not many people remember this last play of the game. Uh, but there was an uncalled pass interference that could have given the Niners a touch, like uh, another chance at a touchdown. Um, fun fact. So I I I want to take I want to that's take what you're Philly. pulling for. I want to take Philly, and I want to take um, uh, Kansas City. Like I love Cincy, and if Cincy makes it. I, they have to win it, you know, because they don't have a Super Bowl yet. Like Cincy or San Fran, all all four of these teams have great stories, but I only want the Eagles oh, yeah. and I only want Kansas City to make it if both of those teams make it. Like it has to be the it has to be the Kelsey the Kelsey Bowl. Like I need oh that'd be so much fun. And if it is, I'm gonna go ahead and take the Eagles. I think the Eagles are gonna do it. I think they are just so built all around. They can hit you from so many different directions. They've had some follies and, and losses, yes, but I think it's going to be a well-fought game. Um, I, I think now it's it's the Eagles' Super Bowl to lose. You know what I'm saying? Like They have the path. I think they can really take on... The, it's the number one offense versus the number one defense, and I think... Mm. Don't count out the Eagles' defense out of it. I think that's what's going to really save the game. I think the offense might struggle a bit against San Fran, but it's going to be that defense that really. They, I think they might, you know, shake up Purdy a bit. Oh yeah, but uh, I'm all Purdy for is, a Purdy Super Bowl. Like I, I'm Purdy cool is, with all of these. Purdy has shown he's been rattleable uh, in in the two playoff games so far, and. I mean, the Cowboys have the second-best defense in the league. Um, that, that was a matchup of the two best defenses when they faced off last in, in the last round. Um, and I, I think Purdy got away with a couple uh, plays that, that could have resulted in, in turnovers or in uh, you know otherwise bad results for the Niners. Uh, the interesting thing for me is... so. Right now, my, my new projection is that the Niners beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite of what you're you're pulling for. Um, I mean, I'd I'd be I'd be fine with, with any anything at this point. And I think the nice thing is that the way my the way things are shaking out, I think whoever wins it all is going to come out on top in my team ratings, which is a nice way to end things. That doesn't always happen. Um, the interesting thing for me though, is if I, if I pull up a couple, uh, computer rating sites that I tend to prefer to use in, in analyzing things in my analytical way, um, uh, these, 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 these rating systems also calculate teams strength of schedule based on, you know, the teams they've played and how those teams are looking right now. And when you use a formula like that, it's not exactly a perfect way to measure how good all these teams were at the point when they played each other. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to note that two of the teams that are still in have the, uh, the weakest two schedules thus far in both of these rating systems. Hmm. And that would be that the, the 49ers have apparently played the weakest schedule this season out of any NFL team and the Eagles are second weakest and you know they're, they're still they've still been doing very well against you know good teams and they've been 
dominating the teams that they've played, even when those teams are pretty bad teams. Um, but I know in the past it's come back to bite teams that they haven't been as thoroughly tested as as their quality Super Bowl opponents. So um, I would not be surprised if it ends up just being whoever wins the AFC championship comes out as the better tested team and ends up pulling off a win. But, you know, we're, we're still a couple weeks away. A lot can happen, and you play the games. You, you don't just write things out on paper or do things in a computer and just say that's how it's going to go. True. I mean, um, so if it happens your way and the 49ers win, you think Brock Purdy locks up the starting gig just with that? It would be interesting. Um, I mean, I know uh, it, it's Brock Purdy and Trey Lance who are going to be under contract uh, for the 49ers going into next year. Jimmy G is a free agent. I think and, Jimmy and no one gone. else is really. Oh, yeah. He, he, and he's going to have, you know, quite a few suitors. Um, I think just just for due diligence, you got to have. I think you got to have at least a, a competition, even if Purdy does win a Super Bowl. I think it's only fair that you test out what you have, and I don't know how much how much of an edge or how much leeway you give to a a a reigning Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback in that situation. Um, you know, maybe as long as you say, well, we have two good quarterbacks who can both get the job done in terms of what our offense is trying to accomplish, then maybe you give Purdy an edge just for having that feather in his cap already. Um, so I think it's fair to, you know, not just give to him just based on that. He also still needs to show that he can at least perform to the level that they need to win, if not necessarily totally above and beyond what Trey Lance can do and what they assumed Trey Lance could do when they picked him third overall in 2021. What would you say? I think Brock Purdy wins. I think Trey Lance is going to have to do a lot more than what we saw this year. Um. And I, again, there, I think there is a little bit of truth to what everybody has been talking about, how like pe- people have been saying that like this offense is so stout. Anyone could run it. So if I'm Trey Lance, you know, there's room for you to kind of really wow and amaze with especially with his natural ability to run and be mobile. I don't think Purdy has that as much, but, you know, health. It comes to mind in terms of Lance. I know he got hurt. And so then you just look at Purdy and it's like, is Purdy going to wow you? Can he develop into someone more than just a stand-in? Is he just going to be Nick Foles, you know, taking over for Carson Wentz and winning the Super Bowl? Or is he going to be, I hate to say it because it's so cliche, but is he going to be like a Tom Brady? Is he going to come in? Yeah. And is this going to be a start or something? Where where Tom Brady wasn't necessarily – the best guy on his team when he came into the starting role in 2001. Um, but he had good stuff around him. He had stuff to help build his confidence in what was going on. And he, he became something much greater than I think the Patriots were imagining when they picked him at 199th overall. And Brock oh. Purdy was picked, you know, 
Even later. Even later, as later as possible within the draft. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I was saying on the Info Arcade in the chat last night that uh, if the Niners don't want to keep Trey Lance around as a backup, you know, maybe uh, a team in his home state of Minnesota could use an upgrade at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I concur. I, yeah. I'm i just interested because I think there's the there's going to be so many interesting changes following this oh, yeah. season. Oh, oh yeah. Um, they were also talking about um, if the Cowboys should move on from Dak Prescott or not. They could get um, a lot for Prescott. They could. I think we were, I, I think it was actually AJ and I who agreed on this one. Uh, kind of surprising. I feel like I don't agree with AJ a lot when he's, when he's giving his opinions on, on that show, mm-hmm. but it happened that we both agreed that that Dak deserves at least more of a chance, especially given that he broke his thumb on his throwing hand, you know, pretty early on in the season. And I'm not totally convinced that it fully healed, um, hmm. you know, in terms of, in terms of maybe being the reason for some of those interceptions that he threw to, to lead the league. Um, but it could also be that, you know, even without that, that uh, not all those interceptions were necessarily his fault. I know a couple, like um, the pick six when the Jaguars beat the Cowboys was in and out of the hands of the receiver and just tipped up to a defender. Um, so I think, you know, Dak deserves an off season to to rest up, get healed, get his head right maybe if he needs that. Um I think it's it's. I mean that 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 team is so good that you know sometimes they they ended up winning twelve games sometimes in spite of those those uh, interception issues. I, so, I I I still maintain the belief that since Barry Switzer, uh, Jerry Jones has believed that they don't need competent coaches to win championships, and it has not at all been further from the truth. In practice, I I think they you know they they get great players. I think they get fantastic players. Oh yeah. And I think Dan Quinn should stay. I think he's done a fantastic job with that defense. I think Kellen Moore needs to go. And I honestly, well, I you I, know I do think um, Mike McCarthy should probably go too. Because as much as like there are faults of those players, there. Are, what was that call where you put in Zeke in at center? I I've you know I've heard that that's not. You know a brand new kind of formation. It's been tried before and it's been executed much better than in that situation where Zeke was just blown up as the center, uh, and then. Uh, Dak got the ball out to Cavante Turpin, who was lit up immediately, and the game was over. Um, and so it was, it was, it was kind of outside the box. They really needed something, and uh, they they went for something, and it didn't work. Um, I, I I don't think Dan Quinn's going to stay. I think someone's going to end up hiring him away to be a head coach. And interestingly, I've heard that uh, Kellen Moore is getting head coach looks from at least one team. And that would be the Carolina Panthers. Hmm. So you could you could uh, get a win on one of those and a loss on the other. Uh, if you're saying it? one needs to stay and one needs to go. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I'd be shocked if it were, you know, if Kellen Moore ends up being the best option for the Panthers, just because I think, I thought I heard that they were looking for experienced head coaches, and he is not. He has no experience as a head coach. I heard they were looking at Dan Quinn, Frank Reich. Yeah, um, bring bring in Frank Reich. I think that that would be interesting. Uh, Frank Reich would actually really help with that team. Might also uh, free up room for the the Colts to send Foles over there to follow him again. Um, but we've we've been on the NFL for quite a quite oh, a yeah. bit here. Good chunk uh, of time. Let's uh, let's move over to the league that will be starting after the NFL ends its season, which is the XFL. And one of the things that uh, I, I think we we could have talked about a couple times now and uh, just never never got around to was uh, the division setup that they're bringing in for this 2023 XFL season, which um, when I was looking at where they put these eight teams, I was thinking, you know, we don't really they don't they don't, they didn't even need to do divisions. They could figure out a, a ten game schedule. Uh, without that because it's it's not it the the the, distri- the distribution of these teams geographically doesn't really lend itself to divisions that well you've got two teams out west two out east three in texas and you've got st louis and so it's kind of a weird distribution for divisions but they they found something that i that, that apparently they like which is uh you have a north and a south division or a conference might be might, they might be calling them conferences but i, I would I would tend to call them divisions if there's just two of them and there's only four teams. Um, but in the South Division, you have the three Texas teams and Orlando, which leaves in the North, Seattle, Vegas, D.C., and St. Louis. Hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, I think... I, I'm, I'm, I've tried making starting ratings for for teams in brand new leagues before i think i'm just gonna sit back for a bit and and watch the games and you know after a couple weeks i might i might you know really putting ratings together but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna chill for a bit on that front oh yeah um but on the other hand um as we get closer to the season we're only a few weeks away now uh, teams are having to make some cuts Teams are really starting to whittle down their roster. Some are bringing in um, brand new players, play, players uh, fresh out of college. I know the Seattle Sea Dragons brought in uh, the starting quarterback from the University of West Georgia this past year, Harrison Frost. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, some of the cuts that have been made so far are former fan-controlled football players, namely... Uh, the Orlando Guardians let go of Mitch Kidd, and the Seattle Sea Dragons let do- let go of Ladarius Galloway. And I believe Justin Foster also got released. Mm. Yeah. Keep your eye on him as well. All 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 guys that um you know as the uh as these teams keep going you know they're going to have to make some more moves and uh, we actually just saw. Uh, Tommy Oje, who was picked up by the Orlando Guardians in the supplemental portion of the draft, uh, he was initially released around the same time as uh, Kidd and Galloway, but they just they just re-signed him last night. 
they just brought him in, I believe. I believe since the outset, he has been listed as a tight end slash long snapper, which, you know, it, I, I think that's great. I think this is this is the kind of thing where you find your niche, you find a way to fit into the scheme of what, what they're doing, and, uh, you know, that that's that's how you make your way in this. Yeah, and you, so, get your, you get your foot in the door. and So know, he's I, not going to be... He might not be a pure tight end for Orlando, but he's he's doing something, and maybe that something uh, leads to more. Exactly. Like we all know, and, we check the tape. We know he can play tight end, but if this is okay. how he starts, hell yeah, more power. Yeah. Um, and you know, teams might uh, might start cutting down guys. You know, maybe a team uh, when they pick their starting quarterback, they end up with you know, one or two guys in the room who aren't happy that they're not the starters. And so they need to resolve that and maybe bring in a guy who is more content to to, to sit behind someone and bide his time, which um, going into this, I kind of, out of all the quarterbacks in the league, uh, it, it was, it, it seemed clear to me that Mitch Kidd would have the biggest uphill battle in terms of in terms of you know convincing some people that he really deserved to be there and you know even deserved to be a starter whether that was truly warranted or not I think he faced an uphill battle you think it has to do with um, the height maybe that that could be one thing the height the uh the the lack of uh accolades compared to some of these other guys who Mostly all played Division One, or if they didn't, they've already been high level in uh, other outdoor leagues so far. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see kid, you know, find a place if it's not in the XFL. Maybe it's you know in another USFL. Stars need maybe quarterback CFL, right now. You know, and at the very least, uh, he he could come back to FCF and you know maybe outdo his uh, season two performance at the very least. I think right now we're all rooting for him to, to uh, get the best opportunity that he wants. Absolutely. You know, I, I say, On this, every hand. Time, I, I say oh, this every time ahead. we talk about our former players is no matter where they go, you know, whatever team they play for, the, we are going to root for them. We're going to cheer their name because they were part of something special. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're an FCF player, current or former and you're listening to this right now no matter where you go i don't care what level of league it is whether from the nal to the nfl you know we we ain't, we're not going to forget you and what you did in the fcf and we're going to be rooting for you because we're, we're just fans and that's what we do we okay. just love these players because they brought this 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 cool idea to life with their yeah. performances and now we really want to see you like fulfill your dream and I and think that's really, as fans what you know it should be all about. These these are these are our OGs and we we want to support them even if even if you don't hear your name uh mentioned by us every time uh you know reach out to us and uh we'll have your back. 100%. You know, even if you weren't a star in the FCF, uh you know, you're still one of ours and we still want to support you. On, on the same kind of note, I mentioned Ladarius Galloway being released by the Seattle Sea Dragons. And 
I feel like I should mention that for him, that could actually, you know, teams are going to teams are going to want to sign him, and getting let go by the Sea Dragons might actually present an improvement in opportunity for him, hmm. because the Seattle Sea Dragons offensive coordinator is June Jones, who is uh, very well known for uh, being the architect behind some great uh, high volume passing offenses. Oh, I see. So they don't they don't run the ball a whole lot, um, and so you know maybe it was. I, I mean, we're not there. We're not digging behind the scenes. We're not asking Gway, you know, what went on. Um, but you know, uh, he's he's a he's a big runner guy, and uh, you know maybe this is this is just going to let him find an offense that needs. Okay. You know, yeah. running backs more. You know, um, maybe they didn't need... throw the ball. Let's not forget. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's got, yeah. he's got, um, he's got a pretty solid arm. Yes, um, he's he's got a he, he can he can throw it. He can run it. He can he can pass it or he can catch it. Not he he can, but I already said that. Uh, he can he can do all kinds of things, and I think. Like I said, this just might represent uh, the opportunity for him to find an, an offense that, you know, can better incorporate what he brings to the table best. 100%. Um, but kind of kind of uh, segueing from there, uh, Mitch Kidd and Ladarius Galloway have a few things in common, not just that they were in the XFL, not just that even that they were in the FCF as well. They both have spent time playing in other football leagues that are played indoors on a smaller field with a seven-on-seven setup. Um, And we're going to talk about a few of those leagues today. And we're going to talk about uh, how those leagues did in 2022 what it's looking like for 2023, uh, some of the challenges that these leagues tend to face, and, and more. So let's get into that. Um, if you're listening to us, you, I, I would say it's most likely that you are at least aware of fan-controlled football if you are not a diehard fan. Uh, and that means that you'd know that it is, a, it is now an eight-team league Played on, uh, but an indoor played in an indoor arena at Pullman Yards in Atlanta, um, and and it's it's got all kinds of things going for it to to really bring football into the the modern video game age. Um, so it's it's not quite the same as it, it, it's a little bit different at least compared to uh, other indoor leagues, but. Uh, they, they, the, the ownership group behind fan-controlled football got their start as an ownership group for a different team in one of these leagues. So they started out not as running a league where every team has uh, things voted on by the fans. They started out with one team where fans would uh, vote, for, for, vote for play calls and other things in a league full of teams where that was not the case, where those teams were run more traditionally. 
Uh, that team was the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles in the Indoor Football League, which is one of the one of the leagues we want to talk about today. Um, but but I want to know your take on this, Kyle. Um, should how how much should we consider fan controlled football really its own separate thing from these other indoor leagues that we're going to talk about I, in this episode? I so like you have if I'm building like a Venn diagram or like I don't know. I guess a bubble chart of some kind. I put, you know, the CIF, NAL, IFL all together. The IFL obviously is above the NAL and the CIF because of its ties with the XFL. Um, But I would put the FCF kind of in its own space, not because it isn't indoor. It's very much an indoor football league. But to categorize it with another league to me implies that the rules are the same when the way that this league works is very much different than any it's other fundamentally league. different in some areas and it's least. constantly evolving too because there oh, yeah. are there are things that we don't even know are, are like issues yet and we need to address so i would say like if you have your indoor league bubble like over here ifl like at the top because it merges into the upper leagues with the xfl usfl I think there's like a little asterisk in between those two bubbles, and that's where the FCF lives. It's it's almost similar, not quite, um, but it's it's similar to the way I would say, you know, you have the NFL, the XFL, the USFL, and the CFL, where I those would... are kind of those are the those are the biggest outdoor leagues right now, eleven on eleven, all that sort of thing, or except the CFL. I would put the USFL up with those with those ones. I, I would put, um, you know, the NFL is is the big league. It's oh, yeah. the league where everyone's trying to get to. Ninety nine percent, at least. Um, some guys are are totally happy, you know, filling the spot that they've carved out in some of these other leagues. Um, but under that, I'd have the XFL and the USFL in the next tier. And it would be like tier two, I guess. Uh, CFL is kind of like 2A, where they have they have a leg up on those other leagues in terms of, uh, in terms of their stability, in terms of, you know, having something really established that doesn't seem to be, it, it, it doesn't have to find its footing at this point. Um, and also, it's different in play. Um, it might also pay better. I'm not totally sure. Um, and so it's 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 kind of the the next step under the NFL, but it is definitely distinct from those other two. Um, yeah. And I I do plan on uh, having us talk about the CFL in a in one of the next few weeks uh, because their free agency is actually about to truly kick off. Uh, Right now, we're in a period where I think they can, um, where they can sign players that they had on their teams last. I'm getting, I'm getting distracted. Um, we're going to talk about the CFL in a future episode, um, for sure. But going back to, you, you named off indoor football league champions, indoor football, and national arena league, which are the three that I really want to focus on in this episode. But there are, there are other indoor leagues right now. Um, oh yeah. And it, it, there's like the AIFA, the AFA, the American West football. Um, 
And then there's the AAL that I think is on hiatus right now and looking to come back in the future after a bit of restructuring. But the reason I really wanted to focus on those three leagues, IFL, CIF, NAL, is when, when I go digging, I really notice they are the ones that really get players from, that they really command the best talent uh, in terms of who they can sign. Um, I think right now the IFL especially, oh, because yeah. of, as you mentioned, the XFL ties, um, where the XFL is kind of using them as a, a breeding ground for potential talent. Uh, and so you're, you're getting a demand you know, from players who previously weren't considering indoor football at all. They are now looking at it at, at the IFL as at least a path to the XFL. Um, and so there's a much higher demand for, uh, to be on a roster in the IFL. Um, and, and so I, I kind of, I'd, I'd put them a step above the NAL right now. The NAL is my second. And it's because um, I, I've talked to uh, a, a good friend of mine in the alt football space. His name is Zach Kyleman. He runs a couple of good podcasts for uh, the USFL and the NAL. And so you, you could imagine he, he prefers the NAL. And what he's said to me, I, I believe this, this is what I recall, is that the IFL has really good social media presence. And that is their, their one main leg up on the NAL right now. He believes that uh, the NAL has a much better on-field product, one that is much closer to the old Arena Football League that uh, went bankrupt just before the pandemic uh, and uh, kind of created a void. Um, this, this product is that the NAL is putting out is really trying to recreate that AFL experience. And um, they're, they're, they're bringing back the, the, the nets that they had on the sidelines back in the day. Yeah. They're bringing, they, they've already brought back Iron Man rules where most of the players who play in the games had to play on both sides of the ball. Not all of them, but quite a few of them had to be two-way players. Um, and so they're, they're, really, they're really creating an experience that is closer to the AFL than I think anything that we're seeing right now. And then the CIF is kind of a, it, it's a bit of a distant third behind these other two. I think uh, the other two are really well positioned. The CIF is above the, these other uh, smaller leagues, the newer ones, because it's a little bit more established. And it does still uh, bring in players who, you know, people would know from other things that they've done before, you know, from college or maybe even a little bit of uh, pro experience in other leagues. Um, but those are the three I really want to focus on today. And uh, they're, they're kind of the major leagues within a space of, you know, what you would consider minor leagues compared to those other leagues that we've mentioned numerous times. Um, yeah. And so how, how much, um, have you ever been to a, 
an indoor football game other than FCF? I have not. No. No, I, yeah, that, I really started jumping into all the football worlds uh, during slash after FCF season one. Oh, yeah. FCF was kind of my uh, my gateway drug for this. It was my, like, this, reawakening. It was like, I liked football before, but I didn't love it. And then the FCF made me more passionate about it. And then I fell in love with all these other leagues. So I haven't gone to a game, but I I would love to. I would love to have an episode someday about just like our lives through the lens of football and how we've you know progressed through life as football fans. Yeah, but that's 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 for a ways away. Episode. Uh, but like I said, FCF was kind of my was really my first exposure to. Uh, football in a, a seven-on-seven setup. Um, but I, I started looking, and uh, we've I, I've been keeping track of these leagues for... I've, I've tracked the IFL for at least a couple of years now. Um, haven't been able to tune in for too many games. Um, they, they do tend to be at bad times. And I, I'm also just terrible at like actually following things like on Twitter that I actually check up on. Um, I need to do a better job of like following things and not just like remembering to type in, you know, their, their username in my browser and uh, checking up on them that way. Anyway, um, in 2022, all these, uh, these leagues played, I'd, I'd say full schedules. Uh, some of them took 2020 off. And some of them were still emerging in 2021. Uh, I think in in 2021, the IFL might have had 12 or 13 teams that were playing. Um, and then one of them folded in the middle of the season. Um, or, or the IFL, like, revoked their membership. Um, but in 2022, the IFL played... Um, there, there were... 14 teams, if I'm not mistaken. I, I need to just, I, I, I have that pulled up. In, in 2022, yes, the IFL had 14 teams with an eight-team playoff. And they were split into Eastern and Western conferences, which is, if I named off these teams all, you'd, you'd, you'd see that that's, it, it's more like a Western and Midwestern setup, mostly. Have you looked at a, an IFL map lately? Oh Kyle? God, it's crazy. Like I, I tend to stick to a couple of teams. Um, I, I know I follow the Pirates pretty good. Mm -hmm. I also Massachusetts follow the Pirates. Oh yeah, I love the, I love my Pirates. Um, mm -hmm. the Rattler. No, not the Rattler. Yeah, the Rattlers. Um, here's Zona Rattlers. Yeah, because that's got your boy Dillian Winfrey on it. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. I know the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Um, obviously, yeah. we all know the Barnstormers. And then Frisco Fighters were pretty good. I remember them. And then mm -hmm. the, the Blizzard. And then outside of that, I haven't paid attention to a lot of those guys. Right. Um, the, my, main, my main two uh, have been the Pirates and the Rattlers. So the Western Conference, the, the, the more aptly named of the two conferences, which... 
they, they, it's been a while since they had conferences in, in the IFL. They just didn't have enough teams at a certain point. Uh, but now that they have 14 teams, uh, and they have a different 14 teams for 2023, slightly. Um, but in the Western Conference, they have the Bay Area Panthers, who are owned by Marshawn Lynch, uh, the San Diego Strike Force, so that's two California teams. They also had the brand-new Vegas Nighthawks, that's K-N-I-G-H-T, Hawks, uh, in Vegas. They have the Duke City Gladiators in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they have three teams in Arizona, the, the aforementioned uh, Wranglers and Rattlers, and also the Tucson Sugar Skulls. So that's seven teams who are all pretty closely located. I think the, the, the farthest a part of those two are uh, the Gladiators and the Panthers. Uh, but when you get out east, uh, it, it's, it's more spread out, and that's kind of unusual for these leagues, which tend to be more regional and more compactly located. You have the Massachusetts Pirates, which you mentioned. Uh, I think they're out in, I, I forget where in Massachusetts exactly. Um, you also have the Frisco Fighters. You have, and that's in Frisco, Texas. The Quad City Steamwheelers, the Iowa Barnstormers, the Sioux Falls Storm, the Green Bay, the Green Bay Blizzard, and the Bismarck Bucks. And so you have a team in Massachusetts, a team in Texas, and then in 2022 you had five. The other five teams in this conference were up in the the Upper Midwest or the Great Plains. Um, and so the IFL is the biggest of these three leagues, and uh, it, it's one of the more. I, I'd say it's the more chaotic of the three when you get into the season. And I know you like chaos. I love chaos. I know you love chaos. I'm. Um, oh, I'm just looking at. So I, I was. We started talking about IFL, and I was like, I wonder what's been going on with the Massachusetts Pirates. We just got Cardale Jones. I was gonna get to that, but yes, I you beat, beat you to, me it. to it. They they've signed Cardale Jones, who, uh, if if you followed college football in the last decade or so, you would know that he uh, came in late in the 2014 season for the Ohio State Buckeyes as they squeaked into the inaugural college football playoff as the four seed. Uh, he came in, I believe, in the Big Ten championship game after, I think it was JT Barrett who got hurt, and he led them as the four seed to a college football playoff championship. And then he spent a little bit of time in the NFL, never really got his footing there, and then was the initial starter for the D.C. defenders in the XFL in 2020. Did all right. Did all right. And then he saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and everything fell apart. Just all, all it takes is one viewing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a Massachusetts pirate now. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can oust uh, entrenched starter Alejandro Benefield. Um but yeah, he's he's a Massachusetts pirate now, and they were they have been one of the better teams of of late in the IFL. Well, you know, uh, I think they they joined over from the NAL a couple of years ago, and uh, that that's one of the things with some of these leagues that uh, we'll get into a little bit. Um, 
is teams move from league to league at times. Um, it's not like the XFL or the USFL where at the moment all the teams in the league are owned centrally by the same ownership who also owns the league. Right now it's if you want a team in one of these leagues, you own it yourself, you, you run it, you make sure that you can pay whatever needs to be paid to, to be in this league. And um, the Pirates decide to take on the challenge of having the nearest team to, be, to them be in Illinois. Um, and so they, they did very well in the 2022 season. Uh, they went 11-5 uh, and five in the regular season, but they lost in the first round in an upset against the Quad City Steamwheelers. Uh, that was a, a 39 to 38 upset at home. The Steamwheelers won two road games to reach the final of the IFL season, but they lost there to the Northern Arizona Wranglers, who were playing in their second season as an IFL team, and they they only had one win in their first season. They completed a huge turnaround. Um, that I didn't see coming. I, I think I must have had Quad City favored going into that just because they beat, they had two good playoff wins up to that point. The, the Wranglers were the two seed, and so they got a matchup that I expected them to win in the first round against, um, against Tucson. But they upset the Arizona Rattlers in Phoenix, and they went on to win the IFL championship in 2022. I mean, so, it's, it's just impressive. Like, oh, yeah. I, I before they were in, they were in the CIF before, right? The I thought it was Rangers. the NAL. No, no, no. I don't think so. Yeah, because they won the I CIF couldn't. in 2018 and 2019. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. I guess I, I, I forgot that. I thought they were brand new. Um, but they were in the IFL. Yeah, they went from fucking... Oh my god, it's crazy to see stories like that going just hopelessly, you know, down to all of a sudden champion. So actually, um, there. So uh, in the twenty twenty one season, where the Wranglers went one in thirteen on the season, uh, the league they they started out with twelve teams, and then the Louisville Extreme. One of, one of whose starting quarterbacks at one point was a name you would know, Dalton Oliver. No, let's go. Uh, uh, they were uh, kicked out of the league after uh, playing five games and losing all five. Um, but the way my ratings work, because they stopped playing and therefore stopped losing, whereas the Wranglers mostly continued to lose from there, uh, the Wranglers fell even farther below the extreme in my uh, final 2021 ratings. And if I were doing like a, a power ratings thing and I wanted to include the extreme, I'd have them at 12th for sure. Um, but it still goes to show how far the Wranglers came from year one to year two in the IFL. I mean, it's impressive. Like, oh, yeah. even if you aren't like a big <clears throat> fan of these smaller leagues, you got to just acknowledge and talk about like 
taking a team that's just down in the dumps, and let's face it, they were in the dumps at 1-13, and and then going around the next season and just smacking everybody left, right, and center, like, all the way to the championship. That's that's not, like, something that, you know, lo- love or hate indoor football or not. That's universally impressive in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe one of the, one of the, the factors that um, I didn't give them enough credit for and that ended up catching me by surprise was that Northern Arizona defense. Mm-hmm. They were the only team that in 16 games of the regular season did not allow at least 500 points to their opponents. I mean, uh, I mean by by quite a by quite a big margin. Uh the next the, the closest was the Arizona Rattlers who only gave up 500 exactly and and had a a stupidly good offense. That compared Rattlers to the rest team, of the league. That Rattlers team is scary, though. As long as, I'm telling uh, you, yeah. as long as they have Winfrey, I don't, like, I, I will remain big on Dillian Winfrey until mm. they put me in the ground because 18 passes, pass breakups in a season is um, unbelievable. I think you just build around him. He can, you get good guys around him, that secondary is going to be stupid. And like you said, that offense was, Incredible, and it goes right back to the Wranglers again. In up that upset, you go to you go to the the Rattlers, who are known winners. I think they won a previous championship within the last three years. I actually, haven't won an IFL championship yet. They've come very oh, yeah. close. They lost to the of late. Um, I mean, the, but but their quarterback Drew Powell has been the MVP of the last two seasons. And they, had two the, regular and they had the DPOI. Like, they're a team mm. you don't take lightly, so to go there and just upset mm. them in their own home stadium, like, that's that's big to me. And, like, so now you're entering this year, you got to have your eyes on the Wranglers. Like, still, and the, I, Pirates I think... and the, and the Pirates and the Rattlers, of course. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. But, like, the Wranglers, they, they put something oh, yeah. in the water over there. I think, kind, kind of jumping ahead to... Uh my predictions for the IFL for 2023. Um, I'd say it's the least straightforward of the three leagues we're looking at today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, I should mention before I get into predictions that there are a few changes coming for the IFL in 2023. Um, the Bismarck Bucks in Bismarck, North Dakota have gone, uh, they haven't, they haven't folded. They haven't gone bankrupt, but they are going dormant for 2023. They're not going to be fielding a team. And sort of in their place, the, uh, an expansion team in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Tulsa Oilers, have, uh, have come up as the, the, the 14th team to uh, complete you know, the, the same sort of setup that we had. Um, so they'll be in the Eastern Conference, weirdly enough, for a Tulsa team. Uh, it at least gives Frisco a... a Decently close uh, in-conference opponent. Um, and so Bismarck, Dormant, Tulsa playing their first season. They're a brand new team, not coming over from anywhere else. And the Columbus Wild Dogs uh, in Columbus, Ohio, were announced, I think, initially as an expansion team for 2021. 
and they have not played yet. And we don't know if they're going to play. Um, I think I've heard some people in, in the arena space saying that it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But for now, they're listed on the league website as a team for 2024 along with the Bucks. Um, but for now, we have 14 teams in mostly the same setup as before. And uh, the season starts on March 17th. And as far as what I'm seeing, I think it, it's hard to count out, you know, some of the major players from the last few years. Uh, for me, those are the Rattlers, the Pirates, and the Fighters. Um, so the Rattlers, as I, as I mentioned, led by two-time league MVP Drew Powell, who was briefly, I think, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right after the season. If it wasn't the Rough Riders, it was the Elks. It was a green team. Um, but he's come back. And um, you have the Pirates, who uh, we're presuming are going to be either led by Cardale Jones or Alejandro Benefield, who won the uh, Finals MVP in 2021 when the Pirates won the league championship. Um, or you have Frisco, who uh, could could end up being big-time beasts in the league this year. And I say that because both of their quarterbacks that they have signed right now are former FCF beasts. Oh. Those would be TJ Edwards and Alfonso Howard. Hmm. Both, uh, hmm. That's hmm. both uh, one one of one uh, TJ from season one and Zoe from season two. That's very thought provoking, actually. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm gonna like. I'm always gonna say pirates first. Uh, I'm biased. I don't care. I like my pirates. Uh. And like you, 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 you absolutely right. There's a lot of big time plays that you can't give out. Like you can't count out. And I'm never gonna count out the Flyers. I'm never gonna. Uh, fighters, excuse me. I'm never going to count out the Rattlers or the Wranglers. But now you've piqued my interest because, you know, those two quarterbacks are good players. But, you know, I, I think Edward, they still have a groove to find. We've seen the spark in Edwards. Uh, um, and, you know, we've seen the spark in Zoe. And I think... For Zoe, because it's more recent, I can confidently say if Zoe is in, a, is in the flow and Zoe's really, like, not in his own head, he's one of the best I've seen live. If he's not overthinking his throws or progressions or whatever, he's one of the best and he can really be amazing. Edwards, it was weird with Edwards in season one. I actually think he got worse once the Beasts tagged him and he got consistent like playing time and so I think he like I don't know if that was his first starting gig or whatever I want to see him get a bit more confident in the pocket um, but I definitely with those two like there's good not I might uh, throw the word great potential it's just you know I think uh, that team in specifically is going to experience a little bit of growing pains with both of them but I mean healthy growing pains I think those teams are all contenders. I'm also, I, I can't rule out either of the championship participants from the past year, True. Northern Arizona and Quad City. Quad City bringing back uh, one of their all-time greats, EJ Hilliard, at quarterback. 
Uh, I think Northern Arizona is still, I, I don't think they've re-signed Caleb Barker. Um, and I know uh, 2022 finals MVP Jaquan Artis, a defensive end, uh, was drafted by the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL. So he's probably going on to that. Um, uh, so I'm I'm not going to rule out either of those. Uh, also, the Iowa Barnstormers and Sioux, the Sioux Falls Storm, uh, both uh, all-time great indoor football teams in in a few different leagues. Um, I believe the Sioux Falls Storm are getting back one of their all-time great players in Lorenzo Brown at quarterback who actually won a, an NAIA national championship at the University of Sioux Falls. So he has, I think, fairly deep connections with that city. Um, I'm not even going to rule out that the Bay Area Panthers, who went 1-15 in, in 2022, don't end up giving us our second straight worst-to-first finish. Um, you know, as I mentioned, that team is owned by Marshawn Lynch, and I, I don't know how heavily he's using, I don't know how heavily the team is using that as like a recruiting piece, but it seems like they're getting a lot of good pieces. Uh, if you go and uh, you go and you check the IFL transactions page, which I love that uh, that league and both the other leagues that we're talking about today have a transaction page that you can check and see, oh, this guy, this guy I know from, you know, other stuff he's done before, uh, they keep that maintained pretty well. Um, but, you know, a lot of things could happen. This is right now the league that the XFL has tabbed as its source for talent. So um, you could see pieces moving in the middle of the season, honestly, if if players are doing really well. You could end up seeing... You know, guys get pulled from their IFL team in the middle of the season to go play for an XFL team. Um, it's it's going to be a healthy amount of chaos, I would say. I mean, I, I think, don't like I don't like too much chaos. I I do. I think it like <laughs> I like stability, but I I feel like chaos is needed in order to oh yeah freshen things up. Otherwise, like I mean, as a Patriots fan for twenty years, like. You know, since when was 2004? I don't know. Oh, that was almost 20 years. Damn. Um, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of me becoming a Patriots fan. Shoot. Um, You're old. You, you, you get stagnant when you have oh, the yeah. same thing. And I know I'm bragging about six Super Bowls, but, like, when there's not a lot of major changes for your team, either in players, either in, like, something – like I, I think it, the game gets stale. I think it's fun to see yeah. like trade deadlines. I think it's fun to see free agent uh -huh. signings, drafts, like drafts that like we they take players that you didn't think would happen. And I think it's even more fun when teams that you're confident are gonna lose win the game, because then I know it makes people like us scramble for answers. I do not like things to get stale. I like. You know, a healthy amount of of chaos, but I also don't like feeling like I don't know, I like I have no idea what to expect, mm. like at any point. And FCF, 
I would say toes the line. And to FCF chaos is about the most I'm willing to put up with in terms of things changing every single week. But um, the reason that it works and the reason that I still feel like I can put out team ratings and stuff is because from week to week, every team does have some consistency and some consistent aspect, which is the fans who are calling the plays. As long as the fans aren't jumping from team to team from week to week, then you still have that consistency. Um, so I, I'd say the IFL has a healthy amount of, of chaos. Um, one of the things I do with my team ratings is um, I calculate what a team's record would be if hypothetically they played their whole schedule at their current level. Because, you know, teams, teams fluctuate. Teams, you know, players have bad stretches where they get hurt and lost for the season. And so teams aren't always playing at the, at the level that they end up finishing at. And one of the things that I get out of that is I have – um, you know, looking back, did did a certain game end the way you'd expect it to if it were played now, hypothetically? And with the 119 games that the IFL played in 2022, 29 of those ended in a way that I would not project at as of the end of the season with the ratings that I have right now, which is 24.3%, so about a quarter of the game's ended differently from the way you would expect if you were just using my ratings and saying that all the games were going to end that way. Which, of course, that, that never happens. Uh, you never have a situation where all the games end uh, exactly as you would expect, or you just stop watching that league because that's boring. Um, the, the league that I would say, or the league that technically has more chaos than that, at least in 2022, was the NAL, the National Arena League, which had, in 41 games, significantly fewer than, a, than the IFL, uh, they had 12 upsets, which is 29.2%, or, you know, a little bit above a quarter. Um, and before, before I get too far into that, I want to I want to mention that the NAL only had six teams in 2022. Uh, those six teams would be, I can pull that up just so I don't forget anyone. You had the Albany Empire, who won the, won the league championship. Uh, they beat the Carolina Cobras in the final. The other two playoff teams were the Jacksonville Sharks and the Columbus Lions, and that would be Columbus, Georgia, not Ohio. And the two teams that did not make the playoffs were the San Antonio Gunslingers and the Orlando Predators. Um, and so you had these six teams, and you you had you have results that I think don't match up with what you would expect looking back from the end of the season. But a lot of those those results that differ were early games. Um, for example, the Carolina Cobras started out the season 5-0 and after five weeks. Uh, and then they, they kind of hit a snag. They finished the, the season 10-6, and uh, or 
nine and five in the regular season. They won their first round playoff game and then they lost the championship. Um, and so I'd say this is a league that has a lot more stability in terms of teams that are good. Or, or I, I'd say that teams are kind of streaky, I guess, in the NAL. What, what would you say based on what you've what you've seen so far, or what you've looked at so far? I mean, I like Al Albany. Albany, I guess, I think is more my team, but I'm a I'm a shark person. I won't lie to you. Um, go Sharks! Uh, is Pindell still in Albany? David Pindell. Uh, who uh, was the uh, quarterback for the Glacier Boys in FCF Season 1, is actually, I believe, playing in Japan right now. Oh, he's in the X-League. Good for him. And I, think he's, I think he's doing pretty well. You know, I was just wondering because I won't lie to you. I mostly have kept up with the IFL. The mm -hmm. NAL and CIF have kind of fallen off of my radar a bit. Oh, yeah. Um. But I know Albany, you know, winning again, that makes sense. Because I believe Sam, that they Sam won. Sam Castronova is a, is a great quarterback for them. I believe Albany won last year, too, didn't they? It, it, it's possible. I wasn't, I wasn't keeping up with the NAL or the CIF prior like, to 2022. I like how we so swapped. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I mean, I was. Um, I, <laughs> I believe that... They did. Um, I'll figure it out. And I believe that you know um, our boy. Yes. Got yeah. Our our boy got his ring with the NAL, um, Pendel. Even though we didn't with the FCF. But in terms of the NAL, it's still small, and I it often feels like it's often di dominated a bit by um, the Empire. Uh, at least from what I've seen. But I have not watched enough to make a proper opinion about all the other teams. Now, the Albany Empire have their quarterback, Sam Castronova, who was the league MVP by a I, I by a, a, an extraordinary margin. Let me make sure I pull up the stats just to get everything right. That's CIF. In 13 games this past year. So uh, Albany played 14 games. He played in 13 of them. And he threw for 70 touchdowns in 13 games. I mean, you, you kind of expect that in, in, a, in a setup where the field is much smaller and where scoring is really promoted. But um, he's, he's a young quarterback who has has come on pretty quickly as one of their most uh, talented players. Um, it'll be interesting, though, to see how he's pushed by uh, another quarterback that the Empire just signed not too long ago. Um, his name is Vincent Testaverde Jr. Hey! You, you might have uh, heard of his dad, Vinny. Vinny Testaverde, one of the probably the I, greatest worst quarterback. Uh, I think I yes. happen to know. He was such a great quarterback, and he was terrible. 
And it's really fascinating to break that down, and we can do that in another episode. But that's a that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Little Vinny Jr. out there. Vinny uh, Jr. has he's, he's been around a bit. I think he was with um, the Miami Hurricanes for a bit, which is where his dad played college. Um, but he didn't end there. He eventually ended his uh, college days as an Albany Great Dane. Uh, in, in at the FCS level. And so, again, a quarterback coming back to an environment where he's seen success before. He's been around, I think he was a Tucson Sugar School at one point. Um, not for too long and not doing too much, but uh, he's come to Albany, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, competition shakes out. Um, the interesting thing about the NAL and I want to I want to pull up what I have for the other leagues just for comparison. Um, but one of the things I do with my uh, computer ratings for uh, just about any league where teams have a home field. So I don't do this for FCF because there's no such thing as home field advantage there. True. Um, the closest thing would be rock paper scissors advantage, um, and I haven't figured out how to quantify that yet. Um, but there, there's a, a home field advantage that I calculate along with my ratings that says, um, in addition to the difference in your rating versus the other teams, uh, the home field, the home team gets this home field advantage added to their rating essentially. And so if you are the home team and you're, you're playing a team that has a better rating than you overall, and that, but if the difference between those ratings is made up by the home field advantage, you'll be favored, which I'd, I'd say is generally how, how people envision this. You know, they, they say usually uh, a, a, a home field advantage of like two or three points generally for, for the NFL or for major college football. Um, in the IFL, kind of, kind of corresponding to the level of chaos that I've said that there is, uh, I've calculated the home field advantage at 1.46 for 2022. So teams playing at home generally get uh, about a, a point and a half better than they do on the road. In the CIF, which we'll get to, uh, I calculated at 3.9. So a bit of a bit of a bigger advantage there for home teams. But in the NAL. You want to guess how big the home field advantage is that I've calculated there? How big? I, I don't have a genuine guess. I, I guess you don't have a point of reference. Um, yeah. It was calculated at 10.15. Cool. So you could have uh, teams that are pretty far apart in the ratings, and there wasn't there wasn't um, a huge distribution of the ratings considering that um, – it's a six-team league. You you don't usually get teams too far apart in a small league. But like, I have so I have that the Albany Empire finished with a rating of six point six three. The fifth place team in my ratings, the the Gunslingers San Antonio, finished at minus two point zero nine. So even though there's that big gap between, a relatively big gap between, the first and the fifth place teams in my ratings 
San Antonio would be favored to beat Albany at home in 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 this setup, and that's kind of reflected in in how the results shook out. Um, between those, it was it was 41 games that were played in the 2022 season. You had 27 of those won by the home team. So that's a rate of about 66%. So the home teams won pretty often. And maybe I, I, I need to go and double check how often that happens in other leagues. But on top of that, only in two of those games where the away team won the game was the, the margin of victory more than one score. Only twice did uh, a team in 2020 by more than eight. And should be surprising, those two wins were by the Albany Empire, and that the two teams that they beat on the road were San Antonio and Orlando, the two teams that didn't make the playoffs in this season. Um, so it, it goes to show, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep tracking this from year to year, but it seemed like the home field teams had a sizable advantage in the 2022 National Arena League season. Um, but that's in the past now. Uh, looking forward, uh, it looked like at one point, it looked at the point where the NAL put out their 2023 schedule. It looked like we were going to have eight teams. It looked like we were going to have the six teams that we have in 2022, and they were going to add over the West Texas Warbirds from one of the other leagues. I think it was the AFA. I'd have to double check, um, but I'm pretty sure it was the AFA. And they also added a new team in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the Fayetteville Mustangs, brand-new team. Um but then, fairly recently and kind of abruptly, the Columbus Lions, who are a long, a long-lived uh, indoor football franchise, as far as as far as indoor teams, they're they're reasonably long-lived. They decided to pull out of the NAL, and they joined the AIFA, different from the AFA, um, but a little bit more compact of a league, I think. It's more more teams in the South than the distribution that we have now with the National Arena League, having two teams in Texas, a team in New York. Um, but now we only have seven teams for... Uh, it looks like there's only going to be seven teams for the upcoming season. Um, and, you know, they like I said, they had a schedule put out for the eight-team setup, and um, they're going to need to figure out what, the, what they do with that because you, you would think it's a 14-game schedule, eight teams. You'd think, you know, everyone just plays one, every other team at home and away, and that's 14 games. That wasn't the case, actually. Um, I believe, let me pull it up just to be sure. Uh, so the Columbus Lions, the team that left, had three games scheduled against the Orlando Predators and only one 
scheduled against Fayetteville. So if you just take the Columbus Lions games off the schedule, you, you have five of those seven remaining teams with 12 games on the schedule, but you have one with 11 games and one with 13. So I don't think that the schedule that I have as we're recording this episode, I don't think it's going to be the final schedule. Uh, I think they might do, you know, the bare minimum, switch up a couple games to give everyone an even slate. Um, although I should note that they didn't play, they didn't have teams playing in ev- the, the same number of games in 2022. So I guess there's precedent for teams playing a different number of regular season games. Um, but at the same time, they wouldn't have to do too much just to fix things here. But they could also, you know, add add enough games for everyone to, to play the, the expected 14 that they were expecting to get uh, when they had eight teams. Um, what do you think of that? It's going to be interesting to see what they do with um, the departure of a team after releasing the schedule. That sounds kind of like a PR nightmare, but... It, it, it was maybe kind of almost like what happened with the European League, with Istanbul leaving, except they didn't have the schedule out just yet. I, I mean, I, I would imagine, I would imagine they might've had a schedule put together for an 18 team setup over there. Um, but yeah, I guess it's not, it's not totally the same. I think they'll be okay. I think that, you know, it's definitely a bit of a snafu, but I think, I mean, no matter what fans, you know, I, to be blunt, we're going to just have to deal with whatever we get. I think this has put them in a spot where we're just going to have to accept it for what it is and get through this season, and then it'll be a bit better next season. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not much more you can do with like they're going to tr- hopefully try their best. Hopefully, it makes sense. But much like mm-hmm. with you know any conflict that and uh, a football league faces, we're just going to have to see. Um, I mean, it's like the neutral site for the championship game and stuff like that. It's like you're just going to have to live with it until we figure out a better solution. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of that that's what's going to happen. In a, that's what we're looking at right now for 2023 in the NAL. And as far as predictions, this is maybe the most straightforward as opposed to the IFL, which I was naming off a bunch of different teams that I could see doing real well. Um, I, I, I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable picking against the Albany empire to win it all. Um, I think they should be pretty solid front runners. Although I will say, um, having plugged in my, end of 2022 ratings into the 2023 schedule. There's a team that is uh, pretty far below the Empire who has a very favorable schedule relative to that. And that would be San Antonio. They have a schedule that I think might set them up for more winnable games than the Empire has just based on just, you know, based on these ratings, which are, are going to change, but um, if there's any team that I think is going to do surprisingly well relative to how they did in 2022, it could be the Gunslingers. Perhaps you. Um, I know. Perhaps you, yeah. 
the Empire, they're they're bringing back Castronova. They've got Testa Verde. Uh, the Cobras uh, have indoor veteran Charles McCullum at quarterback. Uh, Fayetteville has Rakeem Cato, whom uh, college football fans might remember as the former Marshall Thundering Herd quarterback who almost led them uh, to an undefeated season in 2014, I believe. They came up short near the end against a really good Western Kentucky team and went 13-1. and I believe it was in 2014. Um, but he, he's a guy that uh, I guess just didn't – I don't think he got a fair shake at, at higher levels. Um, but he's he's been a great indoor quarterback. Um, the Gunslingers also get Jonathan Bain, who was uh, a quarterback for the Cobras for at least most of last year. And then I would have been high – on the Warbirds for their quarterback situation, they had uh, Jeru Campbell, the 2018 Harlan Hill Trophy Award winner. Uh, that would be the, the D2 player of the year. Um, put together a great year then, but um, I, I think just in, in December he was uh, arrested on some pretty serious charges, and I don't, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to play uh, when the NAL season starts, it starts in April. Um, and again, we have we have yet to see if they're going to be adjusting the schedule to account for the, the change with the Lions departing. Um, I think the schedule is actually set to to start maybe maybe at the very end of March uh, when it was initially made, and so maybe it ends up being right there at the end of March. Right now, it's set to start on April 8th. Um, any any thoughts there? Uh, you, you, or do you feel... Are you feeling me on the, the Empire? I'm... I it's Continuing their reign. It's really hard to root against the Empire. Like, I don't... I can't think of a world where, like, I pick someone else. Or will... Someone other than the Empire Strike Back. Yeah, they. I think they're coming, and it's it's up to everyone else to figure out how to stop them. Not my yeah, job. Y'all got to stop the Empire, not me. Yes. Um. And you know they could. Um. Maybe. Uh. It, it really it always gets interesting when you have new teams in a league, just because it it is kind of rare to see teams playing teams from other major indoor leagues during a season. Um, so we don't really have a frame of reference of how an NAL team would compare to a team from the AFA. Um, and then also you have the issue of figuring out, I, I had to go and check, you know, how does the composition of these teams compare to where they were last year? Um, Interestingly, this last league that I want to talk about uh, as, we're, as we're going through these, these leagues is, is Champions Indoor Football. And they do have um, some games set up for their teams to, to play against opponents from outside the CIF. Um, so their season starts in earnest on March 4th in, in terms of 
when CIF teams start playing each other. They have a few games, I think, in February. Uh, so, so only a month away for some of these teams to play, you know, games that don't count in the standings, but are possibly going to help some of these teams uh, get, get ready for the coming season. And so you have, with the IFL, you have uh, a big base out in the west, southwest of the country, and you have some teams in the, the upper Midwest, uh, and then you also have a couple outliers in Tulsa, Texas, and in, in Massachusetts. In the NAL, you have mostly mostly a base out east, but it seems like they're 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 looking to expand into Texas and into that area of the country. But they're still mostly mostly out east. Uh, with the CIF, you have eight teams, and the eight teams that they have this year are the same eight teams that they had last year. Uh, at one point, it was looking like one of them was going to be uh, folding, but that that team has been rescued. I think they're coming in under new ownership. And so the eight teams that you have for the 2023 CIF season are the Rapid City Marshals, the Topeka Tropics, who were the team that uh, were looking like they were going to fold, but uh, I'm glad they're coming back. You have the Gillette Mustangs, formerly known as the Wyoming Mustangs. You have the Southwest Kansas Storm. You have the Billings Outlaws the Sioux City Bandits, the Omaha Beef, and the one that I have a soft spot for, uh, the Salina Liberty. And I don't know uh, if you've heard much about them before, but uh, I, I think you know decently well one of their former quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a guy we've talked about already in this episode uh, at length a bit. That would be Mitch Kidd. Hey, yo. Yes. Mitch Kidd, that was, I, I, I think that was the, the last team he was with before he came to FCF, the Salina Liberty in Salina, Kansas. Or, yes, Kansas. And uh, actually, uh, one, of, one of the quarterbacks that he, I think, was splitting time with at one point or, or at least you know, battling for the starting job maybe ahead of the season uh, was Tyree Adams, who... Uh, is currently under contract with the Ottawa Red Blacks in the Canadian Football League. So this is a team that produces or or attracts at least some high-level talent. Uh, and they were, uh, after, you know, with, without either of those guys, they still won the 2022 CIF Championship, uh, which was a six-team playoff. Six teams out of eight. Uh, they were the two seed, um, and they faced the Omaha Beef in the championship. The Omaha Beef knocking off the one seed, the Sioux City Bandits, in the semifinal. Um, and that—that's how that went. Um, I like I one of one of the things that I, I really find fun about just these leagues in general, just the IFL, NAL, CIF, and FCF, is they are unafraid of having some really fun team names. True. And I they just love... Really no no shame. Teams. Yeah. 
what, what do you think looking at these team names? Uh, if you if you didn't know anything else about these teams and you didn't know, you know. In terms of the CIF? Uh, looking at the CIF, I mean, the tr Topeka Tropics is a lot of fun. Like, that's just fun to, like, roll off of the tongue. But Omaha Beef. Like, who you want to root for? I want to root for the Beef. I, I think, you know, you got to have fun names in, 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 especially in indoor football. I think you just got to have a blast with it. Um, it's it, that they, I, I love the names in these, in these teams. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you got to attract that, that local audience and that local market. And you've got to, you got to give people a reason to, to come and watch your football every week. And uh, sometimes it's, it's not always all that good. Um, the CIF in particular, I think, among these three leagues, has a few teams that are consistently good and also consistently members of the league. Um, and that would be, uh, not surprisingly, the four teams that were in the uh, semifinals of the 2022 season now would be the Beef, the Liberty, the Bandits, and the Outlaws. And I, I have a hard time really picking against those four teams to do well in the next season. I think the Beef especially have a quarterback in Gerard Evans who uh, played played one year at Virginia Tech, uh, broke the record that they had in place for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a single season, uh, which uh, I think people, people might guess that record was held by Michael Vick, and they would be wrong. Michael Vick did not have the single season record for rushing touchdowns at Virginia Tech. That record was actually held by a man named Bruce Arians, as in the Bruce Arians? As in the Bruce Arians. The coach? The, the, the Super Bowl winning head coach was once a, a running quarterback at Virginia Tech. Golly. But yeah, this, this uh, Gerard Evans, now, now with the Omaha Beef, as I said, spent a year at Virginia Tech. And I, I think was was a junior college transfer and had been been playing college for a while at that point. And he, he declared for the NFL draft after one season at Virginia Tech, which, um, you know, I, I understand feeling like you, you want to get out there and you want to get yours, but I don't think it's usually a good strategy for quarterbacks to, to, to get out after one good year. You kind of need to put together at least two good seasons before, it's, before you, you can expect that teams are going to want to take a chance on you. And so I don't think he, I, I don't think he made the NFL after declaring for the draft. And he's, he's been a few places. He'd been in the IFL. I think he might've been in Japan at one point in the X league. Um, but he's with the beef now and he is very high on my, uh, big list of, of quarterbacks that I'm paying attention to in terms of guys who might be looking to play in a league outside the NFL. 
he's very high. And so um, my ratings didn't end too high on the beef. I think they finished at fourth despite making the the championship game. But I think, you know, if he's if if there's any team that can really push forward ahead of where they finished last year, I think he's he's going to be a big difference maker there. And then in terms of the teams that are outside that that big top four uh, between the Tropics, the Marshalls, the um, the Storm, and the Mustangs, I think the Mustangs have a, a pretty good shot to at least be you know the five or the six, make the playoffs, if not break into the top four and host at least one playoff game. Uh, one of their quarterbacks over there is a guy who has has been around looking for all kinds of opportunities. He worked out for uh, fan-controlled football, was on one of their tryout shows, uh, was also in the XFL draft pool, didn't get in there. His name is Justin Arth. I don't know if that's a name you would have you, you would have not, heard before. Does not ring a bell. He's he's very driven. Seems very smart in terms of uh, of football knowledge. Seems like he really knows what he's going to be doing when he gets the right opportunity, and he has an opportunity in Gillette, Wyoming. Um, and so, I think having having talked to him before and having and knowing people like uh, Sam Shady over the Shady Sports Network, uh, who who have talked to him even even further, um, you know he he didn't make fan controlled football. He didn't make the the squad there. But in in terms of guys that I have engaged with before and would really like to see succeed somewhere, he's he's up there. I hope so too. You know, you got all these oh, yeah. young players out here. Like he sounds like, dude can sing it. You know, who knows? Maybe we might see him if he didn't make it last year. We might see him in the FCF this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe if he if he feels like he has a chip on his shoulder there and doesn't feel like, you know, they they spurned him and don't get a second shot if they if they want to give him a second shot. Um, maybe he does show up. So. Like I said, uh, the CIF schedule starts beginning of March, at least in terms of the CIF teams playing each other. And over a span of 13 weeks, they'll play a 10-game schedule, um, resulting in a a six-team playoff. And so uh, we've gotten into all these different leagues, and we've touched on, you know, what happened over the, the past season in 2022, we've gotten a little bit into what we think is going to happen in 2023, at least to the best that we can predict based on what we know and accounting for the, the vast amount that we don't know or don't know all too well. We can't pretend to know things. Um, but we, we can tell you what we what we've seen so far and what we expect um but one of the things that i've also seen with some of these leagues are uh are problems i don't want to say they're they're extremely frightening but there are areas where 
I think teams could Im or, or leagues could improve in terms of, you know, if people are looking for a football experience outside the NFL or even outside also the XFL, USFL, um, you really want to give people a reason to to be confident that you're not a good And I think there are some areas where I, I, I look at what, what – uh, what leagues are getting in terms of of uh, the product, and it it some of these things are a little bit concerning. I'll say um, when when you go to read about you know teams in these leagues, Kyle, what is your experience with feeling like you're you're getting a satisfactory amount of money? Getting a satisfactory amount of what was that last part? Uh, you know, I, I, I let me let me get into what I had written down. I guess. Okay. Um, I, I think maybe that'll illustrate it a bit better when I'm trying to ask for you. Um, I, I think, like I've indicated at, uh, already, um, some of these issues do stem from money and from these leagues not being uh, anywhere near as profitable as the other leagues that we've gotten into before. Um, one of those would be uh, the un the instability in membership. We've, we've touched on this a little bit already in the episode with uh, teams, you know, moving from league to league or just not being stable in their ability to continue playing from year to year. Um, you know, I mentioned the Columbus Lions moving out of the NAL. Uh, I mentioned the Topeka Tropics uh, initially looking like they weren't going to make it to 2023, but coming back with a different ownership group. I mentioned the Bismarck Bucks and the IFL uh, going dormant, dormant for this year. Um, and I think that would be concerning to to people who even if they don't just want to watch the whole league or even if, even if they do, I suppose, whether they're looking to get into the league as a whole and, and see which team they, they gel with, or if it's people, you know, in their own, in their own locale looking for, you know, a team, I think it might be concerning for people to see that teams go under sometimes and, they don't want to get too attached to that. Um, I know for me, when it comes to looking for different leagues of football to, to watch or to pay attention to, uh, I felt burned before by, you know, leagues failing or leagues not delivering on what I thought I was going to get. And I, th I think that's, that's not, I don't think it's a stretch to assume that people are going to, feel the same way as I do on that one. Okay, I think I get what you're, you're, you're getting at now. That, that's, that's one of the things. Um, another thing would be uh, the scheduling. And it's not just um, the issue with the NAL and, and the Lions and uh, the, the, the bit of the issue that that's possibly going to cause. I don't think that's – I think that can get resolved fairly easily. I'm talking about like um, 
the unevenness in um, some of the schedules that some of these teams put together. And the example, the, the main example that I'm seeing is with the IFL, actually. Um, if when I'm, when I tabulate, uh, you know, my projections or even just actual results, I put together uh, a current win-loss record in a, in a table. I put together their current win-loss record, what I'm projecting based on their current rating. And then I also had to break it down into uh, or projected division record because that's that's a tiebreaker pretty commonly in in leagues where there are multiple divisions of teams. And one of the things that I noticed with the IFL is teams not having a consistent same number of division games. Um, and, and maybe this is one of the ones that uh, that might be a nitpick on my part and maybe not something that uh, other people would notice. Um, it's just kind of weird to me that, that you know, you have a team like um, the Iowa Barnstormers, for example, in the 2023 season are set to play 14 division games on their 15-game schedule. They only get one game out of their division. Uh, contrast that with the Frisco Fighters, who have eight division games this season. And uh, it, it's just kind of weird to me, I guess, that uh, that you, you'd think that in a, in a league where you might expect that these, these teams all have to meet at least a minimum threshold to be for, for uh, how well capitalized they have to be in order to continue to be members that uh, it, it's just kind of weird to see that unevenness. Right. And do you think that's a problem or do you think that's just kind of. Uh, I eh. mean, coming from the FCF where we just introduced it, like I, I don't mind the sporadicness of it. Um, I think it makes it harder to do things like strength of schedule um, because it's less guaranteed games within your own division. But mm -hmm. in a way, it is kind of a refreshing thing because you kind of get to see how they look uh, against people outside of your division. I also think, you know, uh, with these smaller leagues, it's really dependent on the clubs, where they can go, what they can do. And I think... I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing as long as the on-field product is good. I don't think the casual fan, which ultimately you want to appeal to, is really going to mind, you know, if, you know, one team only has one divisional game. I think if you grab the casual fan with your product, then you need to kind of really organize it a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think we're still in that period where, you know, we just need that consistent uh, fan base and we should be fine to get that consistency in the league itself. And I, I would imagine it's, it's possible that um, maybe, maybe when they're making the schedule, the league reaches out to all these teams and say, Hey, how much, how much of a budget are you able to allocate for travel in the coming season? And when the teams respond with, you know, possibly varying amounts of what they, what they can put toward that, uh, that affects how much, or, or that affects what games the, the league gives them out of division or as away games in general. So maybe this is just more of a quirk. Maybe I'm, 
maybe I'm overreacting on that one. But the one thing that I think might hurt these leagues the most is uh, what you get in terms of online content and what you get in terms of both coverage from the league and from you know any willing source outside of it that doesn't fall under the jurisdiction of what the league is able to uh, control. Um, and this is something I kind of noticed with um, other minor leagues like the XFL or the USFL, where um, well, with the bigger leagues, it's a little bit more competitive in terms of you know, the, the, the best content tends to rise to the top and you, you have a wealth of options in terms of good insight and good coverage of like the NFL. Um, when, you get, when you get down toward the indoor leagues, it's more of anyone who's willing to, to write about this stuff and anyone who's willing to, you know, get a platform for themselves is, is going to be succeeding and it's, it doesn't necessarily lead to good coverage or good content. Um, maybe, maybe it's because I'm kind of nitpicky when it comes to um, things like grammar or spelling or punctuation or um, even maybe like, I, I'd say I'm a, it's more reasonable to be concerned with the tone of some of this coverage yeah, and the unevenness of the tone. Sometimes it seems like uh, people who write about minor league football or alternative football or whatever you'd want to call it, it, it the, the tone that they, that they use in writing about it can be uneven or can shift jarringly in the middle of a piece or just generally doesn't fit what they're trying to do. Um, but I think just for, for some people, that's going to be their first exposure to, to these leagues is reading about them online. You know, they'll hear about them, you know, somewhere and they'll, they'll go looking for more. And when there's not too much, they'll, they'll find just about everything that's being put out there and if it's not well put together then that's not going to help bring in new people and build an audience and really get people excited what would you say about that i mean i think with any league you know you're absolutely right it is a matter of you know how they're portrayed to the world um and especially in a modern era that we are in, a lot of that, um, a lot of that has to do with, uh, like people like us, you know, what we're doing right now, and um, and you you, what you focus on is you can't focus on individual reactions to it. You got to focus on the overarching theme like if everyone is talking about how bad this league is then the league is probably bad but mm -hmm. if you get like a couple here or there you know guys that are just being stickler like being picky or whatever then it's whatever yeah i can i can be 
I, I, I can recognize when, uh, when maybe I'm being a little bit too much of a stickler on some things. You know, I'm not, I'm not serious all the time. Um, to, to, despite the fact that, uh, that one of our friends from fan controlled football, our friend peanut told me that in, uh, in the FCF discord, not too long ago, that I'm always serious about everything. And that has been, that has been living in my head, uh, underpaying its rent for weeks now. Um, I guess I, I feel like I'm serious on the right, on the right things, on the right, to the right extent at the right times. Um, and one of the things I am serious about is sharing my love of football with people at, at all kinds of different levels. Um, and I guess, you know, like I said, all these issues kind of tie back into to money and to the resources that not just just that these leagues have or that the, the, the writers or the podcasters have, but also, you know, the resources that other people are willing to put in to help them. You know, if you're writing about the NFL for ESPN or CBS or Fox or whoever is going to give you a platform, you're probably working with a team. You're probably working a team that is, you know, getting, getting decently paid to help put out a, a good product. You know, there's there's editors and proofreaders and people you can bounce ideas back and forth with, um, at the very least. And with with some of the coverage that you get from people on leagues like the ones we've talked about today, sometimes it's a one man operation or, or you know a couple people working on it, and that means that. You know, they can only they can only play to their own strengths, and beyond that, they can only go so far. Um, and I, I don't want to tear people down for, you know, having, you know, maybe weaknesses in what they are able to do and what they aren't able to do when they put out content for these leagues. I'd I'd love to help people if they if they want that help from me or I'm also willing to to branch out in the content that I'm producing on these leagues and really giving depth to the leagues that I'm tracking and that I want to I want people to love along with me it's not just I, I've talked about fan controlled football in terms of some of this being a collaborative effort effort before um where you know we have we have rivalries out on the football field, but beyond that we're 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 in this together, we're kind of helping lift each other up in a sense, or at least that's what we ought to be doing um, and I think that extends beyond f c f I think that it extends into other leagues and the coverage they're getting, and the creators of the content in those spaces. What would you say about that? I mean, I think we just got to be careful of what we say. Oh, yeah. And I think we just got to, you know, think about it before we say it. Yes. No, yeah, I, I don't want this to be... I, I don't want this to, to come off nasty. Um, I think it can be... I, I, I think... 
people want to be proud of what they're putting out there in this space where not too many people are daring to put themselves out there. And I don't want to be giving criticism that isn't at least in some way constructive. Right. And so that's what I want to do here. And that's what I want to do with other stuff that I'm looking at putting out there on, you know, football and other issues uh, is I want to be constructive and I want people to feel like they're getting something out of it and they can ask questions freely and not feel like, you know, not feel like they can't get good, helpful answers. Um, that's what I want to do with with my content on FCF, on indoor football, on other alternative football, on the NFL, on college, on on anything that I happen to have commentary on, is I want there to be sort of an openness. I feel like there are, there are, there are definitely places where I know what I believe I know my understanding of of the world and of reality I'm not going to budge on some of those but I do want to be open to hearing what people have to say you know sometimes sometimes on those things where I won't budge and I can understand where they're coming from even if I totally think they're wrong and I'm not going to see that point um, I want people to continue to understand things with me and I want to I want to I want everyone to 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 grow and because I'm kind of trailing off at this point aren't I No, I mean your point is fine. Like it makes sense. Like we I'm, I, we should I, be positive I, in this space. Oh yeah. But I could keep going on and on and on, and I don't think I need to do that. I think we put together a good episode today, mm -hmm. despite a uh, despite a couple difficulties getting there. But we did it. We just just like an indoor football league. Uh, so, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Freddy Stat Go. Uh, if you have any questions or if you have any comments. Feel free to reach out to either Kyle or me on any of our socials. But for now, I'm Freddy, he's Stat, and we gotta go. This has been a presentation of the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Comment, rate, and subscribe to this feed for all of your favorite fan controlled shows. If you'd like to create a podcast or live stream show with us, please reach out at content at fcf.io.